I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. My guest today is Joseph Robichaud. You may have heard him on a previous episode of Rendering Unconscious, presenting the seven souls, the seven layers of the Vodou soul at the first Psychoanalysis Art and the Occult Conference in London, 2016. I turned his talk into episode 192 of Rendering Unconscious Podcast. You can follow Joseph on social media at Facebook, Joseph Robichaud, R-O-B-I-C-H-E-A-U-X at Facebook, and you can find him on Instagram at L-A-K-W-A-L-A-K-W-A. Links to everything can be found in the text accompanying this episode. Visit Rendering Unconscious main website, renderingunconscious.org, for links and more information. You can also find his books at Hadian Press. That's hadianpress.com, H-A-D-E-A-N-P-R-E-S-S.com. You can support the podcast by visiting our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23Carl. Thank you so much to all of our Patreon patrons. Something new happening at our Patreon is that Carl and I have decided to make our Magic Monday posts accessible for everyone. So everyone signing up for our Patreon at every level now receives a post every Monday where Carl and I describe our magical processes and creative processes as well. Of course, the magical and the creative do go together. So come to our Patreon, patreon.com, Vanessa23Carl, for Magic Monday and more. You know, I'm always, you know, writing books, and so I have my um, my third book is out, and um, just about to finish my fourth book, which is on the the prie, and um, it's like a book of him like meditations. And so I'm kind of excited to talk about that because it's like um, where my the other books are kind of like formulaic. I was able to talk about like other things that kind of more maybe interest me more uh, than. Like, you know, just introducing people to spirits. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of nice. And um, that book will have my art in it as a thing. So it's kind of crazy to think, because I didn't know I could write books until I started doing that. And now the art thing, so. Now you're making all these beautiful paintings. Yes. So I kind of just will fill it up with as many things as I can kind of possibly fit. <laughs> kind of, you know, but yeah. That's amazing. So what are all your books? Good. Why don't you walk people through the different books that you've done? So um, my first book was on uh, Legba and um, talking about Papa Legba and the role that he plays in, in Voodoo and kind of how to interact with him um, as like a, 
from a outsider's perspective or uh, from an outsider's stance, I guess, uh, trying to uh, have uh, some kind of entrance into Voodoo. Um, then I wrote a book on the Gede, because the Gede are the spirits of the dead, and you know, so everyone likes those guys, right? So I figured that'd be a good one to follow it up with, because yeah, everybody, um, while the other Gloa might be hard to contact, everybody's got the Gede and Legba. So I figured that'd be a good one. Then my third book is on uh, Kuzan and um, kind of the Native American contributions to, um, to Voodoo. And I uh, talk about uh, Kuzan Zaka and um, a little bit about Anakona, who's the, uh, the last Taino cacique of, um, of, of Haiti and um, okay. kind of how she's interacted within Voodoo. And just kind of like some, it's it's more has more history in it than the other two books, and um, and then my fourth one's coming out, and I'm really excited about that. I'm already working on the fifth one, so. Is it also on Haiti and Press or? Oh yeah, they'll all be on Haiti and Press. Yeah. Very nice. And um, yeah. I love but, the first uh, two. You just talking about it made me realize I don't think I have the third one. I'm going to have to order that. Yeah, I think it's. I think the third one's pretty good because it was a little challenging to write because it's like I tried to write. I was like not necessarily a narrative, but talking about you know history as opposed to just facts and like here's a, you know there, this is that and that is this. But it was. Um, I think it was really good. Each one of these books it, it challenges me. Right, it's like. Um, to kind of write it different, like not write it um, differently, but maybe it gets better each time. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a whole process go writing a book, especially books yeah. about these kinds of subjects, you know. It's really like, um, can be really challenging because you're writing about a thing that's like, you know, you're not trying to like, like I keep on telling myself not to accidentally like Church of England voodoo by like, you know, creating a book for something that there isn't necessarily a book for. But it's kind of like, um, I think it's really necessary because you know, people, it's, how, how do I say, it's like, uh, people just don't have the time to ask, you know, they don't have the time to listen, but so they can carry this book around, I guess, right? Yeah, or they don't know who to ask. Maybe there's no one in their area and they can get a book from anywhere in the world, you know, online. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Not That's everyone kind of has a great voodoo priest friend that they can talk to. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess they don't. <laughs> it's kind of, um, it's, I think it's kind of interesting that my books are translated into um, Polish before they were translated into like in Spanish. And I kind oh. of wonder kind of like what kind of uh, voodoo thing is happening in Poland. But, That's super uh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> have to but, connect um, with those people <laughs> we'll have to find them yeah right um but it's gonna be kind of neat connecting with different like non-english speakers or people that are just really not connected to like haiti or north america and in that way and kind of seeing where their where their interest is or what drew them to the that tradition because i mean people hear about it obviously but you know so but it's like um the chances to really interact with it, I guess, are are really limited. 
Exactly. And it's also interesting, like the kind of journey these traditions have taken, like from Africa to the Caribbean to Haiti, North America, and then over to Europe in this way, you know? Right. I, I even think about that, even in its kind of its journey now, with sort of like coming into like, you know, North America, you know, like the rest of North America, I guess, and like what that will look like, just like it's, you know, in its entrance into Europe and elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think the spirits, yeah, they want to get around. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget that too, because growing up in Miami, the, you know, voodoo and Santeria have always been around, you know, but I forget that like even the rest of, you know, the U.S. is not that way. It's not so common everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was, I was recently in Birmingham um, where one of my godkids is and I was seeing how, that city is really ripe for voodoo. Like they really want it to be there and are willing to, for it to be there in whatever way it can, it can be, which is uh, really interesting for like that particular city, you know, with its history and all. Um, but yeah, there's different places, I guess, that are just sort of opening up to that. Yeah, I saw your pictures in Birmingham in the museum. They have a really good museum there. I was really yeah, surprised. Too. <laughs> and me too. I was, I was going to, I was just sort of like holding my breath, hoping that it would be at least a little bit interesting, but there's a lot of really wonderful things there. Yeah. I was really surprised and they seemed to be really like trying to make sure they were like including different perspectives and being multicultural and like, you know, not just displaying like the same old kinds of same old art. They seem to be trying to, at least when I was there, the exhibition had a lot of like modern artists and, um, yeah, it was really great. A lot of people of color showing work. Yeah, the, uh, when I was there, they had um, like Hindu art, like different like sculptures and different um, the, like photo like um, collages. It's really neat. Interesting. Yes. Very cool. Um, How did you get into you know, Vodou in the first place? Wait, what were you going to say? Oh, I, uh, I was listening to the um the the talk that i did you know that however long ago and thinking where i was then and like where i'm at now where then i was like you know i was not even thinking that i would be doing a conzo i'm about to do my my first conzo as a priest you know uh in march and i'm really excited about that and um uh i'm about to this is really wild because you know um I don't know. I don't think I don't think I thought I would ever get there, you know, as like a thing. But it was um, I'm really excited for that and um, kind of excited to kind of what's the word? I like bring some like elevation to to Vodou, you know, like um, I have uh, a lot of really good people that are um, about to take leadership roles there and that want to interact with their communities, you know, and um, and like bring voodoo to, to people as opposed to just sort of like it being like a, maybe a window dressing or like, you know, a, the thing that they do, you know, but really um, wanting to impact people with it. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds for that. That's very cool. Yeah, for people listening, the talk that you gave at the first Psychoanalysis Art in the Occult Conference in London in 2016, wow, six years ago. Uh, that was episode 192. So if you want to listen to that, definitely check it out. That was under seven layers of the Vodou soul. It's 
Yeah, it's really, and that was the first, that's, I think, the first piece I ever published. Yeah, you published in the Fenris Wolf, number nine. It's a great piece. And you also gave the talk at Morbid Anatomy when we were in person in New York. And now I'm doing a Morbid Anatomy series online once a month. So you'll have to come and do a talk there, too. Nice. Very nice. I'm down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just, uh, I guess... Kind of things uh, look a lot of, look very different for at least for do from where I'm standing. You know, like uh, we like the like having conversations with people about uh, not just doing things in Haiti for the sake of it being Haiti, but also opening up to different locations in the world for people that can't travel to Haiti for political reasons or for for what what have you. But um, uh, so that's really kind of interesting because. For the past forever, you've had to interact with Haiti as like a you must go there, and so um, to see, you know, maybe the idea that you know looking at the world or the earth as being blessed and being sacred as opposed to like this particular political boundary being sacred, um, and not asking any further questions is like is um, really refreshing. Yeah, I feel like things are moving in that direction towards like making things more accessible, like you said, because I feel like humanity and the earth really needs these, these, this knowledge, you know, these kinds of knowledge. I'm reading this book, or I just finished this book that Gary Lockman, who was also of that first conference, wrote called um, The Lost Knowledge of the Imagination. And he said that occulted knowledge has been excluded knowledge. And that's what's like make it makes it a cult. And the cultists often think of it like like we keep it hidden on purpose, like it's hidden knowledge. And of course, for reasons it was hidden in, you know, for reasons, political reasons as well. Because people were oppressed. But also it's been excluded, you know, intentionally by the powers that be and not accepted as knowledge, you know, and that knowledge needs to come back because it's a big part of what we're doing here as humans, you know, it needs to be brought back in order for our survival, basically. Yeah, that was a really big part of why I was, why I wanted to, um, the, the class I did yesterday um, with uh, Big Liz Conjure, I was talking just about Modu to people without having to necessarily give the, you know, the, the, um, preface of understanding that slavery was a thing or that different kinds of oppression were things so it was for for people of color um only which is like a kind of a new format for me in teaching things because uh you know i like to be inclusive i like to include people who have um you know different things but you know it was nice to do to be able to do that in that space and um you know it is like a huge foundation because you know as far as like you know Black people in America, we built our foundation, uh, our spiritual foundation with the church. And I think that's really kind of gone, that's proven to be maybe not such a great um, thing for us, right? Uh, and it's, uh, how do I say, it's like, you, it's better than, it's better than a foundation of nothing, you know, something that at least maybe it might be um, like not totally understood or be able to be understood in a full in a full way but be able to understood in a personal way could be better could be a lot better yeah yeah absolutely do you want to talk a little bit about what brought you like your journey towards Vodou or you could even talk about 
the bigger kind of political aspects as well and how it, it did kind of help people survive it, uh, during slavery and things like that for people that might not know. You know, uh, I mean, from with my personal journey with Voodoo, it really was connected to um, kind of not maybe not survival in the same way as people who are like, you know, you know, surviving, you know, the atrocities of like, you know, slavery and whatnot. But it was survival in the sense of um, how to find my identity in a world where I didn't really have an identity era, like, you know, um, as a biracial man, uh, you know, my uh, living with my mom's parents, you know, she's a, she's a white, you know, European lady, you know, it's like her, that world was new for me as much as it was my world for them where they didn't really know how to interact, you know, with me with certain things. And it would made for a very challenging, you know, kind of upbringing, right? And having no, no, like not a fixed identity, but just sort of like an identity that's kind of, you know, attached to one half of myself. And so, you know, Voodoo showed me or was able to give me a kind of a deeper relationship with myself because... Um, it gave me something to, to kind of look at that was like you, I have a, a value outside of a, a particular notion or outside of like the usefulness of um, a particular kind of people or for in a particular kind of way, if you kind of, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, it's totally like, like um, one, that they had one worldview and you, your value is not based on that worldview. Right. And I think that's really like kind of like the unique thing with Vodou is because, you know, when looking, because really all these different traditions are just cultural ways of talking about and explaining the things that are really universal. You know, it's like um, everybody's got a, you know, deity of water or deity of air, right? These things. And it's just the cultural costume that we decorate those kind of concepts in that, is, you know, what makes them kind of unique for in their, in their individual, you know, ways of being. But with Voodoo, it was kind of like, I mean, it isn't kind of like it actually is. It's, a, it's like uh, everybody is at the table, every different group of people that was brought to Haiti and that was accounts for most of the people that are also brought to the United States. So as a, you know, for people that may not know their ancestry in that rather direct way, it was like a really... Uh, seemed like a really good choice, and it was. Um, you know, I think it's, I, I was talking to one of my guide kids the other day about this, where it's like um, when you don't have stories about yourself uh, and, and like a kind of like a, a not yourself, but people that look like you that are not just in like a, this self-sacrificing stories of like uh, not to say that the pe people that actually did things in this particular country for the advancement of black people aren't, weren't enough, but it is to say that it's like, if everything you look towards is a self-sacrificing symbol or like a, a individual that like, you know, suffered in order to make a thing happen versus like, you know, having a really mythological character that was able to do, do or accomplish all kinds of things, you know, as like a, whether it's an icon that you start, like, you know, you, uh, like, I don't know, you learned when you're very young. It's just, you know, it's just to say that 
if you don't have those things, you don't have a thing that maybe looks like you or acts like you or interacts with the kind of the people that you do, it uh, kind of may leave you in a strange place. And it's to say that Voodoo uh, provides the answer to that for people that that might be a question, you know? It's wonderful. And like you said, it's been wonderful to kind of see your trajectory and how much you've like blossomed over these years. You're, you're such a like warm and caring person who's, yeah, so generous. And it's, it's perfect. It makes perfect sense that you have reached the level where you have got kids and, you know, are helping other people on their path, you know. It's definitely surreal. It's like, you know, I'm like, you know, also learning too. So we're all learning together. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's kind of nice though. Well, shoe on the other foot, perhaps. Um, it's like, you know, uh, I, I try to be helpful most for most people in most cases, but it's actually nice to be helpful in a particular way that I know that what I'm doing is actually helpful. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really shocking because sometimes like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking to like, you know, people who have other lives, other things that they're doing and, you know, they're making, you know, not only a tremendous effort to understand, but also like, you know, making the time for these like kind of, um, not necessarily archaic, but very, they're not, it's not part of our, you know, our mainstream or regular culture for Americans or for black people or black Americans, right? It's, it's a Haitian, Haitian thing. It's very, um, it's nice to be able to impart that to people in a meaningful way and for them to also like just value the meaning of it. Absolutely. So you've been doing classes and you give readings too, yeah? Oh yeah, I'm always doing readings. You know, it's like, uh, the reading thing has kind of been really interesting because, you know, I used to do tarot all the time, but now people want to hear from the Loa all like just like more often. And so it's been this year, especially it's been really me taking a step away from, from tarot, even though I still offer it, but no one really asks for that anymore. So I've been with these playing cards and to be honest with playing cards, like I, uh, whether it's the attachment to like, you know, I get these things at the corner store or is it the, or whether they're the, um, it's like, they're hard to keep in the same way as like, you know, uh, like a tarot deck. So I have lots of different playing card deck decks now and there really is a difference, I suppose, but it's really fun to be able to kind of step outside of my usual space, but still interact with the kind of materials that I interact with, you know, cards, divination. Yeah. It's a, uh, like, um, especially with Voodoo, because um, it doesn't really, uh, like, you know, divination is where it has its voice and um, it's able to communicate the particular values that it's, you know, that it communicates. And it's just nice to be able to, you know, um, it's one thing to think in your to yourself, like, yeah, this is a helpful thing for people. But it, then you, when you deliver that information to someone and it is helpful or you know however it is uh, it's taken it's it's good <laughs> it's good yeah yeah um i guess also too with divination um 
because I'm teaching my first class on on how to read the cards within the context of voodoo. And I really don't teach tarot, and I really don't I don't teach those things because that's what I do, and that's always been a kind of a like a unspoken rule of mine not to teach the thing that I do, but um, I guess I'm doing that now, um, and it's kind of neat because I didn't know, and it, it actually was experiencing this in my writing, and experiencing this in in some of my like presentation of my classes where there were things that I was holding on to that were other people's stuff. You know, like when I was coming up in the tradition and on the inner on Facebook and the internet, there were like kind of like, um, what's the word? Like, like slogans that you had to kind of like, you know, throw around in order to like, you know, be accepted by, you know, these, these people who were interacting with the tradition. Right. And so like, been I've been looking at those and thinking about them and and seeing where those things are, have been real or why people were saying those things or or implementing them and realizing that in most cases it's like people didn't don't know what they they really don't know and there's a lot that we don't know as far as like you know Americans go as with um, the history of like Africa as a whole let alone like the history of the slave trade. Uh, and what that looked like, you know, not only in the States, but elsewhere in, um, in the, that, the, whole, the Americas mm-hmm. and even in Africa. And so, um, you know, I was looking at this paper the other day from um, um, Max Beauvoir's daughter. Her name's not coming to me at the moment. Uh, Rachel Beauvoir. Uh, she wrote this paper about uh, the 21 nations of Voodoo. And she kind of organized some of the Loa and what and the nations that they came from, which sometimes they don't add up to how we would look at them as far as someone who understands how those spirits are lined up in the tradition. And, um, you know, having learned a lot of things that are not related to Voodoo, but related to Voodoo, you know, just like history and, you know, um, like, the ways that people exchange ideas and things like that, you know, it's like um, the stuff that people said was, you know, oh, it's like nonsense or it doesn't make any sense was really just stuff that we just didn't understand at all. And that people were very quick to just sort of like, you know, dismiss as being like really goofy or not useful when really it was just people just didn't understand what it was that they were talking about. And so it's like, um, be able to share ideas that were at one point uh, kind of seen as like uh, forbidden or stuff you can't really interact with, with and being taken seriously is really nice because there's, it, it was unintentionally kind of locking me up. You know, it's like, I would be writing, like I was writing a, a, the, the next, next book that I'm writing is about uh, Zili Freda. And I was writing about how, because the tagline that we would say, right, is like, you know, is it afraid of, is not Oshun, right? And Oshun is not is it afraid of, which is true, they're not. But I was writing a paper on how they were not the same. And every time I was writing about how they were not the same, I was writing about how they were the same. And it was like, um, and I had to like stop. I had to think about what I was doing because I was, um, because I knew at least in my mind that I was like, 
I know what I'm trying to write, but how is that I'm not able to like, when I put the words together, they just don't come together because sometimes it's deeper than what people understand. You know, it's like, it's just, there is a connection despite the connection not being, you know, uh, like a one for one, like, or a, you know, direct, you know, carbon copy of a thing, but that there are like, you know, things that are uh, similar because of stories or because of how, you know, folklore or the way that um, people shape how their gods interact with, you know, the -hmm. world and themselves. So it's been um, just an interesting journey in that regard, just trying to like uh, come to uh, come to a place of like just you know like where where are we at? Where am I at? Where is the where is like you know what is actually what's actually real about these things versus what was the thing that was like kind of like uh, told to us or you know that we learned because it was easier to explain it that way than to you know what I mean? We get into the, the the nitty gritty of it, but I think it's I think it's kind of time for all that, you know. Absolutely. No, I've been thinking about that a lot. One, like you said, like some things are kind of beyond words, where you can f- phrase the words over and over again, but it doesn't really capture what you're trying to say because it's something you kind of have to understand from experience. You know, sometimes it's right. hard to capture in words. And also, like these people that have been writing about this, say in the past. You know, they're first of all, they're coming from a different worldview where they're looking at something from the outside and then they're basically filtering it through their worldview to explain it. But they actually have no clue what people are doing, you know, and if they write something off, it's because they don't they don't understand it. But then these things have been written in these like academic books and history books as if they're true And yeah, they're not. So then people have referenced them over and over and they've been the same things have been in more and more books. And then you find in so many books, well, it must be true, but it's just like the original thing someone wrote, you know, they didn't understand what they were doing. I think about this all the time with like, like a great example that people can understand pretty easily is like when you go to a museum and you're looking at all these artifacts and people, they're totally out of context. Like a lot of sculptures and artifacts in museums are like ritual artifacts. And then people just look mm-hmm. at them and they look at like, oh, they're carved this way or the angles or it's from this period. But they like the entire like ritual aspect and spiritual aspect that it was created for is completely removed, you know? So how do you really understand what you're looking at if you've taken that out of it, you know? Right, yeah. That's that's a huge thing because you're only interacting with it from the lens of the people that are, that are interacting with it as a second hand or third hand, you know, person. It's not from you know not curated by the people that you know interact with those things. Yeah, absolutely. That's another thing. People are writing about it who aren't practitioners, you know, so they they're right. just looking at it through this kind of like academic lens. But they don't they don't they don't practice magic. They don't practice these traditions. So they don't really understand what what it's about. And just like the the aspect of looking at it, um, how far off are the people that are looking at things that are from like totally other countries, other continents, other eras? You know, like we look at like what people think they understand what was going on in Egypt five thousand years ago. You know, like give me a break. You have no clue. You know. Right. <laughs> It's um, so yeah. It's like you know, being able to 
being able to write about those things and being able to um, kind of put, like not just um, putting my word on a thing, but also being conscientious about about that from having been told stuff that isn't a thing and having had to interact with it like it was. Um, but, you know, I really am, I am, you know, very grateful though for the fact that I've been really fortunate to be able to have studied different things and to um, have been impacted by different traditions and stuff to be able to have that kind of scope though. Yeah. It's very true too. And that's the point that it's a living tradition. You know, you're practicing a living tradition and of course it evolves and, you know, you're bringing it to a current day audience and current day practitioners. You know, it's, um, you know, I think when people talk about things being living tradition, they still think about it as being in like a, a glass dome of like, you know, um, that even though the fact that it's being interacted with by people, you know, inside of, you know, the, the same, you know, hemisphere, but in, with outside of the culture, you know what I mean? Outside of the thing is like still, that's a part of its transformation, right? It's part of its growth that like, um, you know, people's desire to adhere or stick to tradition where, you know, that really wasn't something that was afforded for most people that were actually interacting with these things where they had to kind of, they had to adapt to the new, the new world they were existing in. And I think that's something that I guess I, I really do try to write about was a, a, like the Legba book I wrote specifically for people who weren't in, you know, the subtropics or the tropics, you know, so like giving different plant, you know, um, species to you know use as opposed to you know just tropical ones or things that you'd have to order or you know because it's like um if you don't interact with it like it's real then it's just becomes kind of this artificial thing and you know voodoo is about nature and in like living you know so those things are going to be you know messy and strange as as they are yeah life is weird (laughs) <laughs> sure is <laughs> no that's great and I think we were talking about before we were recording but like yeah like moving to Sweden I don't have access to all the things that I had access to in Miami or New York even like candle you know jar candles you know that are like yeah. in every bodega everywhere that, that that doesn't exist here and I want to buy, buy Florida water once at this like new age uh, store in Stockholm <laughs> It's like $20 for it. And I was like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> I was like, are you joking? So it's like that, you know, like, yeah, I just took it for granted. Like, oh, there's going to be, you know, same candles, different colored candles and Florida water and all these things. Like I've had them around forever. You know, I don't know what life's like without them. Well, now I do. Um, so, but then I went to like, like we have a, a nice Arabic store and they had rose water and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm using rose water now instead of Florida water, you know, cause that's what I have here. So you have to like learn to adapt those things, but it was really hard at first. Cause I was like, what do I do without, you know, this color candle, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just have to use white taper candles all the time. Like, how do I leave something burning? You know, I don't have a jar candle. So it's like <laughs> DIY jar candles, like in a jar, and then just like make sure it stays standing up in there. And yeah, it's creative. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. 
even just like, um, you know, while it's, I'm not in a different country, I'm definitely not in uh, an urban <laughs> setting with, you know, lots of other robust Latin American community. And so, um, you know, having to adapt to, you know, using Shabbos candles and all kinds of things, you know, which has been uh, kind of nice in some regard, you know, um, those candles burn for a really long time. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, you know, it's like uh, definitely adapt. Uh, adaptability is a thing that um, these traditions have because they've had to. Yeah, but exactly. all the things have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I guess with that, too, is also, you know, um, interacting with art. And, you know, I started painting in December. Um, and I really did it because I wanted to interact with, you know, the, I always used to, to buy my art from some, from an artist. And I like doing that because I like being able to take an idea that's in my head that I kind of, I can see in my mind and give it to someone else and see something that is familiar, but also very different at the same time. Um, I really like that, but I also really wanted to also have some level of control of when I want something to be a certain way. And so I, um, you know, I just started interacting with that not too long ago, you know, and um, I kind of, I paint every day now, at at least once a day. And um, it's, I I guess it's more than just like a, a meditative habit or like a practice. But it's like a, um, it really does give me some new ways to look at um, like how spirits or how spiritual things are looked at. You know, looking at um, some of the first stuff I did was just with vives and like, you know, lions. And I kind of think about, you know, because like um, I don't necessarily have a issue with like, you know, color theory right but aside from you know some color blindness but it's like um uh being able to draw things that's like a new thing that's like that's like a new talent and i can't believe um, you just started in december yeah i can't believe it either but it's really the case really the case started the day after christmas (laughs) and um uh i'm just really glad that I took the leap and then I got the suggestion to even do it because when I asked um, my publisher about, you know, my, uh, putting, putting art, I was asking for maybe a budget on how uh, this, like, so I'll sometimes spend, you know, I spend a lot of money on, on art in my books because I, you know, I really enjoy art and pictures, you know, in books, you know, it's a simple thing, but it's really great. Um, and um, thinking that like, Oh yeah, I'll just like all this money to get other people to put it in there, but realizing that I could just also do it myself. Yeah, glad I did it. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> amazing, and I love that you're painting while you, while we talk. Yes, that's not, that's the one thing I do. Where I used to say, I guess I just used to scroll the internet or like you know do like you know kind of mundane, mindless things that I'm actually like you know being able to put my mind to something. It's nice. It's really nice. Yeah, there's different, so many different, you know, things you could make in 
when you're, you know, like painting, like, you know, I'm using like gouache right now. If you'd asked me what a gouache was, you know, like a couple of months ago, I had no idea. But it's like, you know, it's really nice. It's fun. I um, was working on this uh, like last night. Still kind of working on this thing today. Wow. It's like for Bosu. It's kind of neat. Beautiful. Thanks. I'm going to have um, to get one from you. Oh, yeah. It's kind of crazy thinking that too, because you know, I never would I never thought that people would actually would want to interact with these things outside of just like looking at them in the book, you know. So it's like it's really strange when people ask me for if they it's for sale. I don't even know what to think sometimes. I'm like, um, is this for real? <laughs> it's um, for real. It's, it certainly is. But yeah, um, it's been really interesting. I, I was like, I spent. The last, uh, I've been in South Carolina now for, I think maybe four months. I spent the last eight months or so in in Texas, and um, kind of being in Dallas kind of land, and where like you know it really is true what they say where everything really is bigger in Texas because going from Louisiana where everything is kind of smaller, cramped, and you know the available land space. When you get to Texas, everything really is really broad and wide. And um, there's a lot of really wonderful natural things, you know, got to really connect with nature there um, in the same way that I'm really able to connect with nature here. And um, I think it's like really, it's more than just nice or good or, you know, whatever, you know, kind of simple word I can say to, to be able to express some of the natural things that I'm seeing and put them on a thing and kind of and, and not just have a picture of it but something that i that i you know what i mean i've seen i've seen it in my mind's eye and now i'm able to produce it it's, it's neat it's amazing because my experience of painting is i see something in my mind's eye and then when i make it it's like that is not what i was trying to do <laughs> <laughs> so to be able to actually execute your vision is really special talent. Yeah. I um I guess I, I for a long time I never thought of myself really as talented or having talents. So it's really neat to be able to interact with those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, so many. So what classes are you doing next? Uh I am doing a I'm doing uh, a class on uh, how to be a decent priest in voodoo. And that was a really neat class to write because, you know, a lot of people, um, I get a lot of communication with people that ask me how, how I do something. And I don't really think that I have a particular way other than I was around people who were priests, you know, not necessarily in voodoo, but like, you know, in other things. And so I've, able to kind of like you know take certain certain lessons away and so to kind of be able to point people in a direction that allows them to have their self-expression in a thing again because people interacting with something like the traditions under a glass veil you know and they can't disturb it or impact it but you know um giving people at least guidelines on how they could do that for themselves you know is, is kind of neat um, and that's gotten a lot of, um, of um, what's, you know, people, it, it love interest, right? And, and people wanted to take it. Um, 
I am offering a class on um, like Voodoo 101, which is also something I've never really done before because I've, I've done, well, I guess I write 101 books. I've never done a class necessarily on that where like, you know, my, uh, when I, I taught this leg book class one time and at the end of the leg book class, I realized that I could have turned that one class into three classes and uh, I kind of, uh, you know, left people kind of like in the dust, you know, with all the kind of information that I put in that one class. So I'm starting to realize that maybe I should just start from the very beginning as opposed to in the middle. <laughs> yeah, break it down and, for people. Yeah, and that's um, that's going to be a really good time because I had a really nice time talking to these people yesterday about, you know, what what it meant to do some of these things, you know, some of these rituals or these traditions and what, and, you know, it's also just also really good, even if it's not what people were looking for, it's to be able to good, it's good to be able to point out that something isn't a thing, you know, or is a thing for people because, you know, people are looking for something different, you know, when, you know, that they might, I, just because I call it voodoo and they call it voodoo, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, for one, when I was like, you know, a teenager thought that I was going to stumble into like, you know, some like, you know, like spells and, you know, kind of other stuff and not necessarily on how to be a priest, you know? And so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just really nice to be able to, um, to, to, to present those things. It's, and, um, it's also really nice to present to people that also want to actually like, um, to do it for like the reasons that are not just, um, like to just, you know, not, uh, not for self-aggrandizement or for, or but want to truly do something with it, which is nice. It's like, um, for too long, I think even I was like kind of used to people just sort of um, mistreating voodoo because it's kind of like the um, it it's never had the ability to kind of air itself in the same way that like you know there's lots of, of academic papers on Ocha there's lots of academic papers on Palo uh, but there's not a lot of academic stuff doesn't seem to really touch voodoo unless it's African voodoo um, and it, it, and so it's kind of like missed out on a lot of the same things. Like, you know, uh, I realized the other day, well, not even the other day, like several months ago, that when I was looking at this list of plants, I was thinking to myself, this is like the same plants that are in Cuba and the same plants that are in, in Puerto Rico and the same plants that are in Jamaica, obviously, because it's the Antilles, right? And the fact that like, you know, um, you know, it, in New York, you go to the Haitian Botanica and you're dealing with plants on a different level of quality where it's like your dried plants because that's how Haitians uh, interact with plant matter versus like, you know, um, in, you go to the botanicas that have plants and uh, that are like Cuban, uh, like, like Garisha stuff and they have green plants. They're the same plants. It's just that one's more identifiable than the other. And it's like, they don't, maybe they don't even know that they have the same plants. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm language and all kinds of different things is a barrier. And so it's been um, interesting kind of trying to understand that within the rest of the stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, piecing it all together through your, your lens, your specific lens and your history 
and your experiences, you know? Right. It's not necessarily that I have like a, a better answer or anything like that, but it's just maybe I have a different piece of the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Everybody who's coming to it will be bringing their own kind of history and experience and perspectives. And so they might see things that other people don't see, or they might miss things that other people see. You know, it's just uh, it's just different frameworks that we're looking through, you know. That's why it's so great to, you know, talk to different people with different cultures and different worldviews and different traditions. And like you said, like learn from all these different priests, you know, kind of how to be a priest, even if they're coming from different places. Yeah. It's it's really it's really special. It's really neat. Glad I can do it. Yeah. And I feel like we're really lucky because we, we do have a lot of magical friends and uh yeah, we have been fortunate to be able to kind of interact with people from different traditions and places and somehow we all like there was a period in New York where we were all kind of there at the same time and that I didn't really realize when it was happening how special it was. But then like over here, it's, you know, it's not that way. <laughs> it's just me and Carl, you know. Uh, but uh, it was really nice that everybody, you know, kind of had that kind of confluence at that time. And there's still all my friends that I talked to. And I've been trying to, you know, get everybody to come on the podcast and showcase what amazing work they're doing and like you said at the beginning we hadn't talked in a while and I think feel like remember when I was in New Orleans and you recorded these songs for me I got a reading from you and you recorded oh, yeah. like a Lego songs and stuff I have those and I listen to them and so I guess that's why I feel like you're always around because I have your your singing you know yeah you know that's another thing I did this year too was I recorded a bunch of a bunch of songs that was really fun to do they're on yeah. SoundCloud, I think, right? That's right, yeah, SoundCloud. I'll link and to that. And I saw you had a YouTube too. You had a couple of things on YouTube. Yeah, I do. I have to. I, I definitely fell off the YouTube wagon because I, I went on vacation shortly after, and then I was kind of just lost the plot. And so it's like, um, uh, but yeah, definitely there'll be probably more YouTube things in the future. But it's like, um, but the SoundCloud thing was really special because it was sort of like my testing ground because my, my next book, which is on the Prié Guiné, um, I'm going to, it has the, uh, what's the word, like a written copy of the Prié. And so I'm also going to do a sung version of it as well. That's going to be available for people too. Because, um, you know, it's like good if we're, if, if we have like, um, the same information or at least like something that's like you know this is like a verified thing we can like don't have to worry about that particular step we can worry about the next step or whatever that looks like so that's what i'm i'm trying to contribute this year i guess to to the get in the in my giving back to a thing yeah my uh i think about this thing where my, my grandmother used to say, or and my mom used to say, like, oh, you you God gave you this gift to sing, right? You know, all this thing is like so it's just maybe a different God, right? But but I feel like um that's like uh if I can do it, then I should do it. Yeah. Totally. Carl always says if you got it, flaunt it. But so you were singing since you were a little kid, because I was gonna say you have such a beautiful singing voice. Yeah.
Yeah, I've been for a very long time. Uh, like in my grandmother's church, and in, and in uh, the, I went to Catholic school for a long time. I sang in their church, and, and so yeah, I got a lot of churchy church stuff. So it's like right up my alley. But but it's like um, yeah, it's uh, I really like singing, and I and sometimes I forget how much I like singing until I was able to sing music I really enjoyed singing, um, and just in in just a different way where you know like um recording recording it was really hard because uh there are things that only i was hearing that would be like no like that's not good or and, and some of those recordings aren't necessarily what i would consider very good but they're still very good you know like uh, but they're all it's like always it's just those things that if when you know it's there it's a it's a because you know because you're the executor of it <laughs> yeah exactly you're picking things out that you're like oh i should have done this different but nobody else notices that <laughs> yeah yeah i think we all do that to funny. ourselves sometimes definitely it's also just kind of neat to uh i kind of thinking about like a vocal style as opposed to just kind of like singing you know because i did two two distinct like things where I did one was like a Vodi music and another was like Orisha music and um the Vodi music I I did like in western style like uh singing you know it was just like you know what I was doing forever up until I started studying Vodou and so it's like um uh it was really good to go back to that and kind of see the kind of how it's like the different abilities or techniques that you can use in a thing and yeah that's to say things one's better than the other but it was just to say it's like it was just really cool to see my something that I never thought I would have any use for be useful in that way absolutely I found it too like I also went to I didn't go to Catholic school but I went to Episcopalian school which is like the American version of Catholicism right and like uh yeah, I did that for eight years and we had to go to church every day and I was super into it. I was like, you know, the girl like going down the aisle with the incense or sometimes I'd carry the cross and I was like the helper for the priest and putting his robes on and putting the little crackers and doing readings and stuff. Like I was like pretty prominent in our class, I was, like always doing things. I just think it's so funny that, yeah. Yeah. It has transformed, but it's funny that you were too. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's really kind of uh, it's funny, especially for me because um, in Voodoo, I, I I'm also a, a ritual singer, and um, I'm I was singing the masses, you know, at and these things. So I was like, I'm doing the same thing. It's just different uh, different bosses, right? <laughs> That's yeah. wonderful. That's a great yeah. way. That's a great way to flip it. <laughs> we're doing this now <laughs> yes. I love it so is there anything mm -hmm. else that you wanted to mention that we didn't get to I want to make sure we go over your books and your readings and your classes how do people find you if they want to sign up for your classes or get a reading uh, well, right now I'm teaching all my classes through biglizconjure.com and um, you know all the classes are listed monthly there. Um, I'm also available for like private 
you know, sessions as well. And you can book those with me on Facebook. It's probably the easiest way to get in contact with me and Joseph Robichaud, um, or on Instagram. Uh, my handle is, uh, LaCroix, LaCroix, L-A-K-W-A, L-A-K-W-A. Um, those are probably the best two ways to get in, in touch with me. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I usually have like next day availability for readings and I'm usually open to, you know, friendly conversation uh, <laughs> about voodoo. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that this is what you do. This is what you do. You make magic and teach and make art. It's great. And uh, I think TikTok would love you. <laughs> yeah. If I've you get on the TikTok, if you get on the TikTok bandwagon, yeah, just based on your YouTube videos and you like talking, talking and teaching, um, I think TikTok would love you. Just saying. That's my next one. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Joseph Robichaux. Follow him on social media and check out his books from Hadian Press. You can also read his talk from the first Psychoanalysis Art in the Occult Conference. It's part of our book, The Fenris Wolf, Volume 9, which is collected papers from that conference, available from Trapart Books. That's T-R-A-P-A-R-T dot net for links and more information. Be sure to follow me on social media at Rawson underscore on Instagram and Twitter and Dr. Vanessa Sinclair 23 at TikTok. Are you doing the work? angelic. To me, that we fests itself, will, and the, we can thus, deeply with us, even at one, the alarm of the eye, and find, at we once, as the caption, Historically, general formula, the over-acknowledged the at the walls of, as earlier, a disease, is ultimately about the uniting of consciousness, merged together outside of the body. As conscious fragments, perhaps consciousness can also be, I don't know what, on to explain that by doing this they hope to, rather than be allowed from the consciousness, blood in it, thinking non-representation to veil, hard process, love and consider this in relation to the concept, what your, but I know as, as brought to the fore. Many would be similar scenario in his. Break that I wish 
delineates the theory of the drives. At this point, Power, for example, develops his theory further along the lie, went concept of the death drive to his theory of libido, the favorite song in the world. That sexuality is not to get enough of it. Their content, the product, preservation of the species. It shows further the founded seem to take place between sexuality. Individual is the principle onto. Sexuality is true self. One of its needs, while nature, them out for is situated, appendage to the quasi-immortal germplasm, old generation, polymorphous, an article the length, two songs in a experience as well, the experience, and are, perhaps this is yet, nature and wondrous. Congratulations.